want to introduce you to a couple studs. Yeah, and um, these, these are my sons. It occurred to me um, that we have had you guys nine years. This month is when we brought you from Ethiopia. And uh, this is Joshua, and he's my oldest son. He's 11 years old. Uh, he's going to be a teenager soon. What, what can you, when you're 12 years old, what did, I, what did I say you can have? Do you remember? No, I don't know. It was supposed to be 14. Um, a knife. A knife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then this guy, I'm not letting him have anything till he's 16. Um, but... Uh, yeah, this is Caleb, Caleb and Joshua. I don't know if you know the story in the Bible, but I'm like, man, I want my sons to be like Caleb and Joshua and to be going against the current, going upstream. Um, but we've been working on something. These guys like KB. He's one of their favorite rappers. Um, and uh, I think I was in the car with you and we we're singing it together. And I'm like, man, this kid knows how to spit. And so... And, uh, and then this guy over here, he likes to sing. So we're going to do a song uh, that KB did. What's the name of the song, Josh? Armies. 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 Kind of about the angel armies of God that are, that are with us. And um, it's kind of a rip Satan's face off song. So we're going to like punch him in the teeth this morning. And I want you guys to get excited about that because we're going to go after this. Okay. Everybody ready for this? Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Like a minute, got like 
Love you, boys. That's what I'm talking about. Give it up. Woo! Oh, yeah, you can have a seat. Why don't you do that when I do stuff? Because they're better than me. I shout down that line, the name of Jesus Christ, right now. Go back to the pit of hell from whence you came. Man, I love those boys. And uh, just want them to know that, yeah, Satan is powerful. We acknowledge that. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And he is the one who throws down the enemy. But we got to know our armor. We got to know our weaponry. That isn't going to happen without us having knowledge of who God is, who we are, who he's made us to be, our purposes, uh, the way that he created us, his design for us, his desires for us, and to get on the page with God so that we have strength and power to resist the enemy. I love that phrase in that song, oh vanity, Satan tries to cancel me. I don't fear your plan for me. I just made a canopy. When you come to handle me, there's another hand on me. It's like, and he does, he comes to handle you. And you gotta know God's hands on you. And he's there for you and he wants to give you strength. We're in the second week of our series, Winning the War in Your Mind. And um, we just understand battles being waged over our souls and in our minds. And we want to armor up as a church and get equipped to win the war instead of losing it, which is what happens on many a day. Last night even, I, I... was sleeping and I must have been in a deep sleep, but I just had horrible dreams last night. Horrible dreams. I was at some sort of a carnival and I was walking around and there was a bunch of you <laughs> were there and you were just doing all kinds of seedy, salacious, crazy stuff in this carnival. I was just doing some weird stuff and I'm like, I'm a pastor, what are we doing here? And people are spitting on me from buildings and yelling at me and I'm running away and I'm scared for my life and it, it was horrible. Like I woke up this morning and the shower didn't cleanse it. And I had to get in here early and just pray and just feel like, God, please, these stories, this, this narrative in my head, even though it was just in my dream world, it just was so real. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It just takes some of the data, actually believe, no, that was just, that was all fiction. Or that was something going on in my subconscious that was trying to like pull me down or pull me away. And I was like, God, not this morning. I got something you want me to say, and I don't know if that's meant to sort of tone things down or back me down or back me up or make me feel sort of, uh, you know, shame, but it's, it's just in your hands, God, cleanse me. I want to be your tool today. It's a battle. It's a battle when you're asleep. It's a battle when you're awake. We were born into battle in this world. And the battle started when Satan, who was the Shekinah glory, reflecting angel of God, Lucifer, said, I want to be like you. I want to be you. And he 
took him down. He took a third of the angelic army of God down who became demons. So one third of the angels became demons in the world. And then, yeah, we're up two to three on them. But I'm telling you, there's a power there in the enemy. And so when we even came onto the planet, the battle had begun. And today we want to hone in on a very simple but critical like concept. It's the idea that the world around us and inside of us is made up of pretty much just two things, lies and truths. Life in the matrix and life outside the matrix. Just like the metaphor described in the movie, The Matrix, every day we're either choosing the blue pill or the red pill. We're either believing lies or truths. And the reason for that simple conclusion and distinction is this, that God is the father of truth and Satan is the father of lies. And I didn't make that up. That's what God said is going on. In fact, there's a passage of scripture that I want to read. It's a little bit longer, but it's found in John 8. And Jesus, savage Jesus, is basically going after these people that were detractors against him, these, these foes that he had that were always trying to trick him and come after him and intimidate him. And he wanted them to know, yeah, you might be Jews, but you are under a delusion. Right. There's dark speech that you're believing, and I'm here to bring the truth to you. And in John 8, starting in verse 31, he says to this group of people, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, that is if you obey what you say you believe, if you actually walk what you talk, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We hear this verse all the time. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. But there's a then before that and the then is connected to if you hold his teaching, if you hold that truth, if you obey that truth, if you apply that truth, if you practice that truth, then you'll know it intimately through action and it will bring your freedom. They answered him, well, we're Abraham's descendants, bro and never been a slave to anybody. How can you say that we shall be set free? Maybe some of you are in here. I don't need salvation because I'm not a sinner. I don't need anybody to help me because I'm doing just fine. That's what Jesus is coming into. He said, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free through and through. Indeed, completely. And I know that you're Abraham's descendants, yet you're looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I've seen in the father's presence and you're doing what you've heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. Well, if you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did, which he had faith and it was credited to him for righteousness. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me, a man who's told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. And then they came back. We're not illegitimate children. We're not bastards. They protested. 
The only father we have is God himself. And Jesus said, if God were your father, you would love me for I've come here from God and I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father and he ain't Abraham. He's the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is where it comes from. This is where the deception comes from. Because he's a liar and he's the father of lies. God is the father of truth. Satan is the father of lies. I don't even have enough respect for him to put capital letters in front of that statement. And this starts at a really young age. At least it did for me. He started coming after me so early. I, I saw pornography when I was five years old on playing cards with Kenny Clifford next door to the Christian school I went to. He was coming for me. He's coming for our kids. If you're here and you got little children, he's already whispering lies into their soul. He'll take something true and he'll twist it around and he'll make it their identity. I met with Kate Frayling. Anybody know Kate Frayling in here? Yeah. She's got a couple fans in our church, but she's the head of the women's ministry here and now was hired on to be over our life groups. But she wanted to meet with me this week and she had something she wanted to show me. She knew what I was talking about this weekend. And uh, her son, Tate, he's seven, soon to be eight years old. They were disciplining him and he was in his room and she could hear him going, oh, God. and she knew based on his tender heart and yet his little rebel heart, you have kids, right? Tender rebels, right? That he wasn't in there angry at her. He was in there wrestling with the devil. That's right. And she went in and he had already written up a document on a piece of paper like this. She brought this in to show me. And I could not believe the dark speech of the enemy that was oppressing him. Yeah. Check this out. I got permission from Tate to show this. I suck. I'm a moron. I'm an idiot. I am stupid. I'm the worst. I'm not strong. I'm not kind. I'm the worst at writing. I'm not brave. I'm the worst kid in class. I don't listen good. God does not have any good plans for me. I don't have integrity. I'm not good at sharing. I wrestle too hard. My Nobody likes me. Nobody cares about me. I suck by Tate. And I saw that, man, I was starting to get, I was starting to get like just in my spirit because I have sons. And I'm like, man, seven close to eight, this is the stuff that he's hearing in his mind about himself. It's sad. It's scarier than actually sad. And so Kate came in and she said, this is not true. These are lies. Lies you believe that you're telling yourself or you've heard other people say to you or maybe we've contributed by saying something about you and you've translated it as your identity. 
but I'm telling you, you know the truth. And she left him with a piece of paper and said, I want you to write out what God thinks about you. And so he took a paper and this is what he wrote. I am a child of God. I am made in his image. God loves me. God thinks about me. I am special. I am brave. I am smart. I work hard. I am strong. I am funny. I am kind. I am loved. I am important. Isn't that cool? And then he turned it over and said, my family loves me. Jesus died for me. God loves me. God forgives me. I'm thoughtful. Isn't that kick butt right there? I'm telling you, it starts at an early age. And if you're in here and you're young, I want you to know the people you think that have it together, these grown-ups, they have this kind of war going on inside of them all the time too. You know what I'm saying? Things you believe about yourself, things you believe about life, and it's not true. We need God to flush out our flesh and just, just put in his spirit of life and adoption into us. The enemy's been attacking us with lies before we knew it was happening and we got to strike back with truth. Our core passage for today is found in Romans 12, verse two. It's a powerful passage. Paul's talking to the Roman church under a lot of persecution, probably believing all kinds of lies, definitely looking around them in their culture and adopting somewhat the patterns of the world. The passage actually starts in Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I beseech thee, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves as living sacrifices, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. And then he says this, do not conform anymore to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, just like Tate did. I'm going to take those patterns of thought, those neural pathways, those pathways of thinking, and I got to renew my mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good and is pleasing and is perfect will. How many of you got patterns? You got habits, you got routines, you got customs, you got modes of operation. These neural pathways, Paul knew, you're conforming to those, you're believing those, but in order to be transformed, you got to renew your mind. When God comes into our hearts by his Holy Spirit, we invite him and say, God, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I give you my life. I surrender to you. I give up control. You are my leader now. I want to follow you. He comes in and he brings redemption to our heart. But in our lives, that is a kind of a salvation that comes. But sanctification is what the word is. He'll redeem our hearts, but we got to renew our minds. That's on us. Paul's encouraging these people. I know you're saved, but you're struggling still, aren't you? I know you're saved, but your patterns haven't changed in actions or attitudes. And in order for transformation to happen, for you to change, you've got to be a thought warrior renewing your mind. Craig Rochelle said it this way, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. 
And unless we decide to break bad patterns, our lives will continue moving in the same wrong direction in a circle that never goes anywhere. So stinking true. If you don't change your mind, your mind will change you. There is no neutral state of mind. You master it or it will master you. It is slay or be slayed, baby. This passage, don't conform any more to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. I love that test and approve down there because that goes into last week where you take every thought captive and you interrogate it, and then you make it obedient to God. Every time you have thoughts, every time these patterns that that want us to go into mediocrity or conformity to the patterns of the world, you've got to test those things, and then you've got to reject those things or approve those things. It's test and reject. You test it, you kind of find out what is it doing to me? Is this healthy? Is this unhealthy? Is this toxic? Is this like convoluted? Is there a shred of truth in it? And then a lot of lies, man, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so I'm going to get the baby out and then I'm going to throw the bathwater out. And most of the time, the way that the father of lies who speaks his native language speaks to us is in partial truth. He doesn't speak to us In number four, he speaks to us in number 3.7, 3.8, and 3.9 that we round up to four. Man, test it, approve it, test it, reject it, test it, reject it, test it. I approve that. That's what we do to renew our minds. But you can't renew your minds and be transformed without taking some things out of your life. But what we gotta understand is you can't stop doing things and not start doing other things. That's how this works. Every new void seeks to be filled. Every vacuum, every vacancy, every void of not doing something immediately because of the depravity of our nature will fill right back in with the same thing. If you don't replace that real estate in your head, it will come right back and take up residency, baby. You can't just stop doing something. You gotta start doing something in its place. You can't just stop thinking something. You have to start thinking something else in its place. I went out with one of the guys that I was discipling. He wanted to come out with me on Thursday and study my message with me to kind of see how I put the message together. And so we were doing this and talking about this. And Blake said this, if you really want to stop a bad habit, you have to replace it with a good habit. He said, I know this because this month, starting in the new year, my wife and I decided to do dry January. Is anybody doing dry January? Never even knew what the heck dry January was. (laughs) Dry January is like, we've been kind of tipping back on grandma's cough medicine a little bit too much lately. We've been kind of swigging a little bit. We're, we're not doing that because I don't think we're consuming it anymore. It's consuming us. And I want to make sure the spirit's in the driver's seat and not the flesh anymore. So we're going to have dry January. We're going to dry out. And he's like, man, it's been crazy because on the weekends I have all these patterns And I noticed that alcohol fits right into all the patterns. 
In fact, we gather around alcohol and we sort of don't gather if there isn't any alcohol. And he's like, man, I don't want a life where the most meaningful thing I'm doing is paying homage to alcohol. I want my life to be meaningful, not just successful. I want it to be substantial and consequential. And so he said, I've noticed, and he was here last night with his brother, and he's like, I noticed on Saturday nights, this is a tough night for me, so I've started going to church on Saturday night. Because I don't drink on Sunday morning, but I like to drink on Saturday night, so I got to get my butt to church on Saturday night. Because I got to fill in that space with something that fills that space with something good instead of something that has led to something not so good. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I thought that was pretty... Uh, ballsy. <laughs> and he's an, he's an awesome dude. He's got all kinds of discipline. I mean, he, he is a successful guy, but he's starting to realize, man, if I don't want to be conformed to these things that I don't want to be, I don't want to represent me, I don't want to be my repu- you know, reputation, then I've got to fill that void with something else. Our thoughts actually create the mold for our future actions. Our thoughts create the mold for our future actions. A negative mind will never lead to a positive life. A restless mind will never lead to a peaceful life. A fearful mind will never lead to a free life. A grumbling mind will never lead to a grateful life. And a comparing mind will never lead to a content life. And most of us want the latter, but we're not battling in the former. I, I, I thought of this this week. It's not like rocket science, but it's change your mind, change your life, change your world. You change your mind, you change your life. And when you change your life, you don't change the world all the time, but you change your world. And you might feel like, I can't change the world, but I'm telling you, you can change your world and you can change somebody else's world. But it all happens up here. When I read Tate's list of lies and then, you know, the subsequent tethers of truth, it reminded me of a mental assault I had almost five years ago. I had a sabbatical almost five years ago now. I can't believe it. 2017. And man, I needed it. I needed it because my, my brain was mush. I call it a hamburger heart and just kind of a meltdown mind. And so I went on the sabbatical for three months. July 31st, coming back from the sabbatical, it was the day before I came back on August 1st. I wrestled with some intrusive, condemning thoughts, just like Tate wrote about as a seven-year-old boy. And the attack doesn't stop when you grow up. It just matures in its deceptive vernacular and nomenclature. Becomes more believable. I I like to wake up every morning and write. And a lot of it's to exercise demons inside of my mind and inside of my head. I don't know about you, but every day Satan is baiting me and seducing me and saying, over here, look at this shiny thing. Look at this sexy thing. Look at this cool thing over here. And it's like so believable that that will bring me pleasure. But it's like, you know what? I don't want pleasure as much as I want God to be pleased. And I know it's not worth it. 
said this before, the grass is greener on the other side only because there's more manure over there. (laughs) And so I have to write down stuff in the mind. I call this process labeling the boxes up in my attic. How many of you have like Christmas decorations up there? You just kind of keep cramming boxes up there and then you don't label them and then you want to find something you got to go through all the boxes and especially if you have your family's help they're throwing everything in we have the the boys put the dishes away sometimes we can't find where the dishes are because the Tupperware has the whateverware has the silverware and everything's all over the place so I got to go up into my attic and label the boxes remember that thing you punch out and then you kind of put it on the box this is what I do to label the boxes up in my attic Day one, back from my sabbatical, was just the heading of this piece of writing. Started this way, I must remember before I forget. That thought kept running through my mind last night and into this morning. It was all over the place last night, mostly filled with lies whispered so believably into my heart that I had to take a long run on our back country road, our dirt road, and just shout them down. And when I say shout them down, I mean yell out loud, on that dirt road at the encroaching thoughts and shout back to the truth to those lies. I thought a couple times when I was on the road and I was yelling out loud at Satan for what I felt like he was trying to do to take me back to places I didn't want to go back to as I yelled. And on a dirt road, you can do that a lot easier. But I'm sure there were people out mowing their lawn thinking, oh my gosh, I need to call the cops. (laughs) Here's one. Nothing has fundamentally changed inside of you after all these months. That's not true. I know I'm living from a different place of identity. And why are you so nervous to go back? It's not that I don't want to. It's that it's, I think it's okay that I feel some of those nerves. Didn't you think you'd be further along than you are right now? Maybe so, but I'm not faking anything. I'm very comfortable in my skin right now. Thank you very much. You're going to hear a bunch of bad news that's been shielded from, from you. Bring it on. I have the capacity to handle it. I was made to bring redemption to the present. There are so many things you don't know that have happened in your absence though, man. What is that supposed to do inside of me? Are you kidding me? Of course there was. You're not needed anymore. You are hardly missed. In fact, people enjoy doing the things that you normally do and you're going to take that away from them. I'm proud of the people who stepped into my role and did so with passion and proficiency. I'm glad things went well in my absence. Everything is gonna be just fine. Are you sure you even wanna go back? Why the hesitation? Oh, I'm sure. The hesitation comes from making the abrupt transition from personal freedom and family time to being a servant of Jesus' church. And I'm gonna let myself feel honesty in that reorientation. Everything is going to go back to the same place it was. You know that, right? Not if I can help it, and I can. God has given me the free will to choose how I act and react. I may not be able to choose how easily how I feel, but I can make a decision about what kind of life I create. There are still parts of you that are weak and undisciplined. Can you believe it? I know but I'll never be perfect. I'm on a journey taking one step at a time. I'll keep working on areas of weakness bit by bit and God's grace will fill in the gaps where I fall short. I'm about celebrating small wins now, not bemoaning my shortfalls. People are expecting you to be a whole new man, better than ever. I don't wanna base my life on the expectations of man or the approval of man anymore. I wanna live out of God's purposes for my life for his pleasure. That's all I can do and that's a good day. 
What if you're less impressive after this sabbatical than before? That was a huge one. I already said, I want to be who I am. Nothing more, nothing less. If I'm better, wonderful. If I'm worse, so be it. I want a congruent, aligned life inside and out. That's what I really want. Aren't you just a little scared that you don't have what it takes for the next leg of Impact's life cycle? That's when we're going in to the building program that we're in right now. And I just did not feel like I was the man cut out to do that. And so the enemy was coming after me. And I said, yeah, what you say is kind of true. But I felt that for years about every impasse that I've been at. Sometimes you just have to lead afraid and trust God will work out his strength in my weakness. You're not suggesting something that's never occurred to me. You are still ruled by your emotions. Feelings eclipse truth in you, Jay. I'm a very emotional human. I'll give you that. But I trust the truth even when it disagrees with my feelings. I will continue to fight the good fight to let the truth reign over my feelings. You're going to quit running and working out once you realize you don't have any time anymore because I started working out after 22 years since college. I don't think you realize how important having a healthy body, mind, and soul is to me now. My soul needs my body to be healthy as much as my body needs my soul to be healthy. I won't go back to unhealthy physical habits. And I haven't for almost five years. Well, listen to this one because he switches the hats. Well, then exercise has become a God to you and you're all about outward appearance. I have to keep that in check. I don't want it to become an obsession or something I put misplaced affection in. My body is God's temple and I want it to be fit for his purposes. Stop telling me what I am gonna do or not gonna do or feel or not feel. See me starting to fight back here? And then he's like, well, it's over. Back to the grind. The sabbatical's over, but I love my calling. I was not called to rest for the rest of my life. I was called to be in the battle for people's souls and to introduce them to Jesus, the freedom giver. I'm meant for more than safety and security. I'm made for risk and danger. I'm made to encourage people to advance with Christ into the world and bring the kingdom of, uh, to earth as it is in heaven. So, and then I wrote this. Here's the deal. Lies will always seek to dismantle truth. I have to speak truth to those lies every day, every hour, every minute, every moment. It happens when I fight the ambush of lies with the artillery of truth. That's how all of us make it in the throes of resistance. And I ended the writing this way. It's day one and I'm ready. Yes. <clears throat> now I've heard... Some people like, they'll say to me, man, I just wish I was more like you in this and more like you and more like you. And I'm like, I don't think you do. Because you don't know what I have to go through to become who I am. You don't know what I have to fight in order to just stand up here, even this morning and last night. If no, and I don't know you either. But what I do know is you don't just become somebody you want to be automatically or accidentally. You have to wake up in the morning and with discipline and deliberate thought and action and writing, attack life with the spirit of God and the sword of the spirit. See, Romans 12 isn't the only verse that talks about shouting down lies with truth. The idea is replete throughout scripture. Romans 13, 12 says it this way. Paul said, lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on 
the armor of light. You can't just stop doing the deeds of darkness, you dirty dog, right? You got to put on the armor of light the belt of truth, the the breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, peace, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. This is the armor. This is the light. God, every morning I put on the armor of light, your spirit, the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, long-suffering, tenderness, self-control. This is the armor. Armor up! You go into life and you're thinking about your dream and these lies, man, that kind of pollutes everything. I forget, I think it's in Titus where it said, to the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled, all things are defiled. If you can cleanse yourself, man, you start looking and things are pure to the pure, but the, the one who's defiled or contaminated, everything seems contaminated. Ephesians 4 Paul said it a different way. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former patterns or manner of life and its corrupt, deceitful desires, these lies you believe, and to be renewed, there's that word, in the spirit of your minds, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. It's about putting off and putting on. Romans 8, 5, those who live according to the flesh set their minds every morning on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. This is where we get the idea of mindset. A good mindset throughout the day is what you set your mind on. And then he said to the church in Colossae, Chapter three, lay aside the old man with its evil practices and put on the new man who is being what? Renewed in the true knowledge, true knowledge, not fake knowledge, false knowledge, according to the image of Christ or God, the one who created him. Again, every day we make decisions and it's either to embrace these lies or or replace these lies to believe objective truth found in God's word over the subjective opinions of myself or anyone else around me. It's not just individual lies in our mind either. It's cultural lies. I've had several conversations the last few weeks and I just wanted to give you some word on some of the things that I've been talking to some people about that I believe are lies in the spirit of the age in which we live in. There are countless paths to heaven. Call this kind of the Rob Bell, God will warm all hearts in the end. Love always wins in every life. Well, Jesus said this in John 14, 6. He answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that doesn't sound very inclusive to me. And it's kind of cool to be inclusive these days. But Jesus is like exclusive. He said, I'm exceptional. There's no exception. I'm exceptional. I'm the doorway to heaven. I'm the doorway to eternal life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. It's offensive, but that's what the word says. The Bible's just another book written by a bunch of fallible human beings. You would think it was written by a bunch of human beings, but listen to what it says in 2 Peter 1, verse 20. Above all, You must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 
That's an interesting verse. I, I want you to be armed with that. When people say it was written by men though, it was written by men, but not prophecy of their own interpretation or of their human will, what they wanted it to say or their opinion. They wrote as they were carried along or under the superintendence of the Holy Spirit. So that's why Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3.16, all scripture is God breathed. Yeah. It's inspired by God. You can earn your salvation by being a good person. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Now, it's by grace you are saved through faith in Christ. Not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast and say, I'm all that in a bag of chips, right? I did this. I'm better than most people. I think when it comes at the end, my good will outweigh my bad. That's just not the way it works. It's through faith in Christ and his grace in your life. There is a curse on you. There is no hope. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree or a cross. He became the curse so that you wouldn't live under the curse. There's no curse or hex on your life. Nobody can do that. When you give your life to Christ, he removes the curse off your life, becomes the curse and gives you freedom. Well, that's not fair. The gospel's never been fair. He's always taken your sin and covered you with his son. You go to hell if you commit suicide. Just read Romans 8 said at the end, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Not death, not life, not angels or principalities or powers, things present, things to come. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. There are more than two genders. I said it, I know. Genesis 1:27. For God created mankind in his own image. The image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I don't know what's more offensive. One God and only one God or only two genders. But both will probably be a pretty good fight for you into the future. God made man and he made woman. And all you have to do is pull down your pants and take a look at what gender you are actually do follow the science. <laughs> Bi biology is a really awesome thing. Just follow the science. One thing we, we don't do in this church is we don't demonize and we don't put people down that we believe are living in confusion or delusion. We love them. We're not here to be hating people. We're here to be loving people. But that doesn't mean we have to change our belief system to accommodate every convoluted idea that's coming our way. I'm not done with you quite yet. Just a second. A race, gender, or status is superior to others. Paul came in and tore this down big time with a wrecking ball. He came in like a wrecking ball. As the theologian Miley Cyrus said. There is now neither Jew nor Greeks. Jews aren't better than Gentiles. Not anymore, not in Christ. Slave or free. 
male or female. No, no male is better than female and you know, slave owners and slaves and all this stuff. Now you're all one in Christ and he tore down every wall to make it so. The ground's level at the foot of the cross. God won't forgive me for that. I've been talking to a lot of people about this. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he is just. Means he'll do it every time on time to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from how much righteousness? All of it. I can't know if I'm going to heaven. First John 5, 11 says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Oh, he's back to that again. <laughs> Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God, that's Jesus, so that you may, what? Know that you have eternal life. Not think, not hope, not wish upon a star, not feel. You can know you have eternal life when you receive the son of God. I didn't go into the one where it's like, can you lose your salvation? But back then, I think I skipped that one. It was like Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. He said, when you believed, you are marked in him with a seal, a pro the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, till you're redeemed fully in heaven. Those are three big words. You are sealed and, and it's promised and it's guaranteed. It's not like, well, I was bad today. I hope if I died today, God would take me. If you've received him, you are secure in Christ. Amen. Don't let Satan mess with you about that. A person who lives in lies is compromised. A person who lives in truth is bulletproof. A person who lives in lies is compromised. A person who lives in truth, truth is bulletproof. Change your mind, change your attitude, you change your family, you change your marriage, you change your workplace, you change your friendships, you change your life, you change your world. Romans 12, 2, don't conform anymore to the patterns of this world. Put off the old man, put on the new man, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And I'm telling you, there's goodness and there's pleasure and it's a perfect fit for you. You are knit in your mother's womb. He has an idea and a purpose for your life and a destiny for your life and it's perfect for you, but you gotta renew your mind or you'll be taken out of your destiny. Jesus said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Set us free today, God. My words mean nothing compared to your words. If I've inspired anybody here today, that inspire, inspiration will last about 3.30 this afternoon. But if you've inspired or inspirited people today, my gosh, that has staying power. That's lasting and enduring. So it's all about you, Jesus. We don't come as a collection of humans to have motivational speech, speeches. I'm not Zig Ziglar up here or you know, Tony Robbins. It's more than that, God. We're not here for a self-help. We're here for you to help us. We need your help. So fill us, God, 
with your strength and your spirit and your wisdom and your truth and your knowledge and your narrative. And God, would you chase away the darkness inside of our heads and hearts that is sabotaging our lives, crippling us in every category. We wanna be optimized, maximized people for your glory, God, in our short hand breadth of a time on this planet. We don't have enough time to waste it inside of our heads. We need to live these lives. So help us to hold on to your teaching as true disciples. Then we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free. Set us free today and help us to leave here set free like prisoners set free. So wherever we go, whether it's to a restaurant or our homes, God, may you fill us with your smile and your countenance today, your attitude. Give us altitude in our life to see what you see, to let our hearts break for what breaks yours. Give us your eyesight and your heartbeat today, God, we pray in your son's powerful name. And everyone said, amen. Hey, you're dismissed. We'll see you next week.